0: Dan, introduce us to uh, Ryan. How did you guys meet?
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah. So our first guest is uh, a lovely Ryan Schmidt.
2: Mortal Here. foes. Uh,
1: yes, uh, this is just a long feud that's uh, been going on, uh, it continues to go on, and uh, eventually one of us is going to slay the other one. Yeah. As to when that happens, we don't know.
2: We need to wait Uh, for a volcano nearby to (laughs) erupt to really set it up. You might
0: have to go to Alaska or something then, guys. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Just drop us in the wilderness.
1: uh, Each get a spear. uh, (laughs) Go find the other one. Whoever comes out of the woods. (laughs) If, If one of
2: you isn't dead by the end of three days, a bracelet around your neck will explode. You know, that kind of thing. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh I met Ryan uh through uh elementary school, because uh, he came what grade four? uh grade, no, grade five, age. yeah. Yeah, for a little bit, and then you left again. Yeah, I went to Australia for seven months.
3: We will. I need to train.
1: (laughs) And then, yeah, and then you came back, and then, yeah, knew each other through, yeah, ever since then.
3: Wow. Yeah. Um, And yeah, just
1: been, yeah, like, went to the same junior high and then high school. I mean, still living in the same city, and then, yeah, just still continue to be really good friends.
0: That's cool because yeah. there's a lot of people that claim they've got childhood friends remaining after all that time, right? So
2: I mean He's
3: like my only friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, Daniel, a you're kid. a
2: social butterfly. So <laughs> Kevin and I are just dirt is not that it. Not my choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently, we're sorry, not damn like, friends. That? I said oh, so. Sorry. Apparently, Kevin and I are dirt. We're not your friends. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, I I claim the title of only friend. <laughs>
4: Uh, sorry. Uh, um, I'm out. This, this podcast is over. I'm
2: out. <laughs> You've ruined everything, Daniel. But,
1: but Kevin, we're starting a business together. You can't do this. Not now. We were trying to the scam contract. them, Daniel, and you blew it. <laughs> I always do this.
3: I mean... Uh, <laughs> um,
0: anyway, so back on task. Um, yeah. So Ryan was saying mountains. What up with Mountains? <laughs> oh, uh yeah,
2: what what up with Mountains? I I am up Mountains. Uh I so I used to live in Edmonton, uh most of my life, uh born born and raised in Edmonton. Uh I moved in, into exile. Uh I moved to uh uh British Columbia uh in the Caribou region. I'm in a small town called Wells, uh which <gasps>
0: Wells, oh, like as yeah. in Wells Gray? N- no, farther. No,
2: okay. no. Uh, it's it's near. Uh, if, <laughs> no, that's that's. I was, I do often get that weird response because uh, we have a music festival that people tend to come to. But uh, no, see, so yeah, I'm in Wells, BC. It's near. Uh, Historic site called Barkerville, which is where I typically <gasps> work.
0: Barkerville, okay, that's yeah. a, we've heard stories about Barkerville.
2: Yeah, uh, so that's that's the place I go. I usually pretend to be a British colonial judge, which uh, you can't see me, but I am putting a finger into my, uh, the neck hole of my shirt and kind of tugging on it. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> yee. and uh, yeah, I do typically silly shows I have to put on a, ban- bo- a bonnet, pretend to be a German woman dance around screaming. Obviously COVID's made that a bit different, but
0: well, you can yeah. still jump around and scream for COVID. Oh, <laughs> <It's> like-
2: <laughs> I, I, I frequently do to the chagrin of my neighbors. Um, But yeah, so it's a historic mining town, basically, and uh, Wells, BC is a town that consists uh, almost down the middle of uh, people working for the local gold mine, uh, the local international corporation gold mine, and the the hippies who came (laughs) in the 60s to make theaters and paint their buildings red and green and stuff. So the
0: gold theater melt there you go yeah
2: (laughs) you know the two natural things that congregate in the same place gold mining (laughs) and theater
0: great awesome all right so uh so yeah so this is going to be interesting because I'll, i'll let dan get into it but my understanding is you may not have the plant background that we do so we're going to do a complete 180 flip and uh have a quote-unquote regular joe take on some of our um questions and discussions that we have regarding the the native plants and the regenerative landscaping all that kind of stuff and the environmental stuff so this should be interesting
2: yeah i'm really i'm excited to out myself as an ignoramus (laughs) it's about time
0: (laughs) i'm hoping you'll be a good meter so that we know where we stand and what we need to do right
2: yeah of course
0: so uh so yeah dan you want to get right into it
1: yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I'll just start off. Um, Ryan, like, uh, what, like, you know, growing up and up until this point, like, what kind of experience have you had with anything kind of in the environmental realm? Like what, when somebody like talks about, like, the environment or like environmental sciences or something like
2: that, like, what kind of comes to mind? Ah, uh, that's a good question. So I, I have a very limited experience of the environment. I basically like gardened with my mother and watered my neighbor's plants every summer. That's that's the uh, extent of the uh, interaction I had living in the suburbs of Edmonton. <laughs> what comes to mind when I think about things like environmental science? I mean, obviously, there's the uh, proximity to the oil fields in Edmonton. So a lot of enviro- environmental science I've heard is in relation to either reclaiming or there's... There's that other word that's not quite coming to me right now, but uh, essentially trying to make the areas that may have been oil sanded more livable or a place that something can actually grow or live again. Uh, Where I'm living now, it's there is a huge amount. The two big industries, of course, are mining and forestry, both ones that have pretty significant impacts on the local environment uh so yeah i I actually know a number of environmental scientists uh in fact a fish biologist whose entire job is in the summers to canoe around and see how fit- local fish populations are being affected by mining, and then he paints all winter, so that's a great life he has' um, know, sound too bad <laughs> yeah, right, it's kind of the dream uh so yeah i most of the current environmental information I get is in relation to the, obviously, local area I'm in and the two main industries. That's a, actually, now that I think about it, almost all the time I'm hearing about environmental science in relation to how industry affects the environment. I almost never hear about it otherwise.
0: Well, that's, that's a good start, though. At least you're hearing about some aspect of it, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so yeah that's kind of my uh, suppose that that's my at least what comes to mind when talking about my own relationship to it um, cool. yeah.
1: yeah um then kind of opening this up to the other hosts uh chime in if you like, but like what's everybody else's like I mean, I guess me and the other you know Don and Kevin, we've kind of talked about it in our intro podcast about kind of where we come from, but maybe we can kind of uh reiterate a little bit and get ryan's experience too but just like you know what's everybody's experience learning about the environment but kind of more on like academics or like kind of going through school and stuff like what kind of stuff have uh we all learned or if we got much of uh getting much knowledge coming from academics and stuff like that i mean uh, like
2: yeah, Kevin. We'll, we'll
4: start with Kevin. Kevin. Oh, you're really you're putting so me on the spot. Why do you? Because you
2: Yeah, Kevin. I've never met you, but Kevin, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
4: for me, uh, all the environmental stuff. I guess it would be uh, like I mentioned uh, at the very first podcast. It will be from Lakeland College. I studied. Um, uh, what was
0: it called then? He was a star pupil and... in his class, obviously.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was actually
4: something new for me, like entirely new, because I came from a huge city where uh, environmental workers was considered um, blue collars, and no one wants to do those kind of stuff. And once, um, I remember when I was little, my parents made a joke saying that, oh, uh, if you don't study hard at school, look at those people sweeping the street, you'll end up being like them. Wow. <laughs> then, then I just remembered that my entire life thinking, oh, damn, I have to study hard, have to work for a bank, otherwise I don't want to end up sweeping the street, be an environmental worker. So, yeah, anyways, the reason why I came here to study environmental science is because um, I went to Britain and realized that the air pollution is actually really bad in China. So I wanted to make a difference. Somehow I came to Canada, studied that kind of stuff. I was actually interested in it, and I actually wanted to make a difference. Well, before before i came here I was thinking oh i need to go back to china save the country and do those kind of stuff blah 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 but after i came here i'm like oh china it's uh, beyond savable uh, i just <laughs> let them be <laughs> they're going to be the 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 world factory for the rest of my life uh, that's something that i cannot change why not just change something that within my ability so that's why like COVID happened and me and dan started talking about like starting a company doing stuff for the community like just start small make a difference but well make money too right
0: (laughs) yeah that's well it does have to be economically sustainable too that's something people forget right like you can't just as much as we'd like to we can't all be philanthropists and do everything for free you have to be able to take care of your own family and yourself first before you can do good for others right so but uh, yeah, that's very cool, and um, I guess Kevin won't be allowed back in China anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I think.
2: Um, well, I, I did have plans to travel, but I think being present on this podcast is. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess I'll cancel the, that flight.
0: <laughs> but that's okay. We'll celebrate Chinese New Year here with with Kevin and all of our uh, Chinese friends. So that'll be that'll be fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I guess for me, um, in some ways I was fortunate because I grew up immersed in the environment pretty much. Like we we grew up on an acreage, so I had the country lifestyle. I would, like I told the guys before, I was always out um, just by myself, happy as can be to go sitting on a raft looking at the things swing around in the dugout or I'd go out in the field and look at the plants and the wildlife out there. Um, I was fortunate enough to live in different areas of Alberta, so I, I'm very intimate with a lot of the different uh, ecology settings, uh, because we do have a, a really very bunch of ecosystems in Al- within Alberta itself. And uh, really, as far as school went, I thought I was going into the animal part of it, and so I took equine science, and most of my jobs revolved around animals. And it wasn't until, you know, well into my adulthood, I started going, you know what? I do grow vegetables and everything on a on a home level. Why don't we put a different spin on that and uh, do something environmental with that? And so here we are. Right. So it's, it's funny where your paths take you.
1: Yeah. And then like for me, yeah, kind of just reiterating what uh, you guys have kind of said, like, yeah, like similar to Ryan. Uh, you know, I grew up with, you know, yeah, doing gardening and watering neighbors' plants like, you know, for a whole bunch of summers when I was living with my parents. Um and then kind of going through yeah, junior high, there wasn't really much emphasis or I wasn't really paying attention to uh <laughs> much going on there, uh in terms of learning about, you know, the environment in school. But it was kind of high school. There was a little bit, kind of I think like grade ten, maybe they do a little unit on kind of just general well climate generally but it kind of delved into a little bit about uh, some kind of as- aspects of like ecology and whatnot uh, and that kind of got my interest a little bit uh I got more interested in the environment and then it was yeah and then jump into similar to Kevin you know I heard about Lakeland College and their program and thought well I think this would be kind of a good fit because um, it sounds like there's a lot of hands-on uh learning with uh, a lot of the subjects that you take there, uh and yeah, it was definitely like a really great experience and then transferring over to the u of a and kind of learning a little bit more there it was it was a different kind of learning, but uh I still enjoyed it and still got a lot out of it and then uh working for uh a company in the city doing essentially what I've learned over the past four years and applying that to um kind of an urban setting which i never thought i would kind of get into but wound up doing and really enjoyed and then once that kind of uh that company kind of went away um yeah just me and kevin talking about well there's kind of this gap that needs to be filled for uh kind of promoting uh these ideas and that's kind of where Everything kind of came to
2: now.
3: <laughs> Just Actually, Daniel, dirt. oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: dirt's the solution to everything. Yeah, uh, that's our last podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was your last podcast. Pretty <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: yes. much. soil. stay
0: tuned. For, uh, listen to oh, on damn. Spotify, Apple, and wherever you can grab our podcast. Soils, it be there. Yeah. For sure. Oh, uh, I only
2: <laughs> listen to iHeartRadio. I'm so. <laughs> hey, are there too. We're there
0: too. <laughs> yeah. We just got all of awesome.
2: our so You song. can't escape it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It. Uh, yeah. Maximum fun. Here, here we come uh, But Dan, I never actually asked you did you have a. Because the U of A was a more academic approach, right? Uh, yeah. And then Lakeland was kind of more hands on. Did you have a preference between uh, which. Uh,
3: definitely
1: Lakeland because it was smaller class sizes and that i mean like the big thing was the hands-on experience where Mm
3: -hmm.
1: almost every class we took had some sort of hands-on like going out to the field and actually doing these things that we read about that we read about like in the textbooks like you know how to you know take a soil sample like i think most and again like i never took the full uh four-year degree at the u of a to i know they do some sort of field school but it's only for I think like two or three weeks or something, whereas like, you know, at Lakeland you have two years yeah. of uh actually Hands doing on. like kind of yeah, doing like a field school essentially for almost every course. So um no, I definitely preferred that a lot more because and jumping into after two years doing a diploma at Lakeland and then jumping into, you know, third year, fourth year uh degree at the U of A, it was <laughs> had to kind of get sorted out and used to it a little bit of
3: kind of mm-hmm. um,
0: different way of doing things, learning right?
1: yeah. yeah and um we definitely like cover different topics that lakeland ever did but and again it was it, it was a slightly different program too because uh lakeland college was restoration ecology um, whereas, uh, at the U of A, I got my degree in land reclamation. So, I mean, there's a lot of carryover, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think land reclamation more focuses on, I mean, it focuses on a lot of things within the ecosystem, but there's a lot of emphasis on soils. So I took mm-hmm. a lot of soil classes and doing that where you're mostly reading stuff out of a book or having a teacher, you know, show you you know, PowerPoint, And then maybe doing the odd lab. Um, You just didn't get the same experience as, you know, like, we did have some soil courses and we actually, you know, went out to a field
2: and actually did some soil sampling. (laughs) Felt the dirt beneath your bare feet, looked at the stars. Uh, No, I was guessing because that does sound... from my admittedly limited education, like, I basically got the public school version of environmental science taught to me, which was Mm -hmm. as you described, a few, like, lab-type things once in a while, but mostly just lectures with PowerPoints and, I'll freely admit, didn't retain a lot of that information. I kind of wish more of the environment was taught to kids in a kind of hands-on way. I feel like it would kind of I don't know, land more for them. (laughs) Well, yeah,
1: because like I'm I'm thinking like, you know, climate change is, you know, kind of the hot topic now, like these days with uh, and I mean, it's a serious thing that I think we all should be at least thinking about (laughs) ways we can kind of mitigate uh, uh, climate change happening right now. But um, yeah, it just seems like there's not really much of an emphasis happening or like being put on for these kind of topics, uh on the environment within school curriculum at like you know elementary junior high high school like again i mean you know we haven't been in
0: (laughs) well i mean for for my son like he's 14 so he's he's going to be going to high school next year oh my god um anyway (laughs) uh they've actually been doing ecosystems so that's that's i'm pretty impressed with that but um they generally do a a superficial um surface kind of discussion of these things and then it's either up to them or their next set of schooling post secondary or whatever to take it further right so i wish there was ways to get to all the different age groups of the kids right from square one and kind of funnel them through so that each age group gets a little bit more advanced and a little more in depth with the topics so that by the time they graduate um they're a lot more in tune with it, and and it hopefully instills an appreciation and a love for it, because just to say, oh, I did it because I had to, that's not really what we want, right? And I agree with Dan. Yeah. Um, I went to Olds College, which is another hands-on learning facility, and yeah, Lakeland Olds, I really like the mix of the, yes, you're getting the instruction and, and the textbook part of it, but you're getting the hands-on the field experience as well, which really sticks with you i think and nothing against universities or anything at all and it depends on what you're going for but yeah i prefer the uh the college route as well
2: yeah i mean it depends on learning styles of course some people Mm -hmm. absolutely thrive in uh the kind of lecture-based academic setting but it's yeah, definitely not, not me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of ADHD, so it's like you're, you're talking what, and then meanwhile, yeah. if we're going out, it's like oh, so there's this grass here, and these things are doing this here, and it's like, all right, I can do that.
2: But you well, you, have- I like
0: having
1: something like more tactile where I can actually like you know feel something or like because it really did help me going to Lakeland first and then uh the U of A, where
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know when we started talking about kind of some of these you know equipment or processes uh happening you know dealing with soils or water testing whatever um at least i, ha- I had something to reference because like some of these things i actually were able to use so i could be like oh well you know a, a question comes up in a test saying like how would you use this thing it's like oh i would use it this way because this is what we did in her lab and actually talked about it and had a better understanding of it versus kind of reading it out a textbook and sometimes kind of inferring and guessing and to me that I struggle with that a little bit more um, than actually being able to do it already and have that oh, yeah. experience.
3: It's,
2: mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a ability to work with abstraction of a thing that is real. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> we're making a thing that actually exists and you can look at and feel and touch. And we're like, no, no, but you need to like, think about it in terms as, uh, uh, of words on a page, right? Like it yeah. doesn't land <laughs> for a lot of people. But Don, you said a a thing that I I never thought of is that teaching kids to love the environment. That's that's a really important thing. And I think um,
0: I know Dan's this is one of the points Dan's going to be discussing. But maybe this is how we get into it. But um, about the the emphasis or lack thereof environment in school. Well, I I think they are learning more about the environment in school than maybe I did at their age. But, um, and maybe it's just my child and his group of peers and his age, but I just find a lot of the kids seem to be focused on the negatives of it. And I'm thinking, you know, it would be good to show them the full picture because everybody's so against oil and gas and mining and all these things. And true enough, they have had impact on our environment but people, how quickly they forget our history! If it weren't for those things, we also would not be where we are today. Our economies, our, our you know, how how we build things, how we are able to live without having to slog and work day in day out, twenty four seven doing menial tasks, you know, all these things. And I think it's important that people learn that history and not constantly do the shaming thing. You know, focus on. What can we do to to work on the environment that we have and make it better now? How can we learn from the past? And like, don't be a politician. You know, their famous thing on their, their platforms when they're going in for election. Well, so-and-so did this, so don't vote for them. And so-and-so did that. You know what? I don't want to yeah. hear that. I want to hear about what can you do for me? I don't want you to point fingers at everybody <laughs> yeah. else, you know? So that's kind of my take on it is, is, yes, there should be more emphasis on environment, but show the full spectrum and don't just say this is evil. This is good. Say, here's the full gamut and this is the direction that we need to go.
1: Yeah, I like mean, where, where's our, uh, you know, classes and how to, you know, do your own garden so you can be more like food secure or something like that? exactly but like, like I, I mean of, i teach a lot good. of because who cares about calm like to, you know what i don't know that. am <laughs> sorry i'm sorry so is this a when we're in high school like uh, swear like i think we're explicit
2: Contact. you're explicit okay maybe i don't know okay no we're
4: not no we're, not. we're clean yeah.
0: yes. oh shoot
2: just, we just because
3: we dig in the dirt doesn't mean we're dirty
0: come on
2: Okay. Well, uh, I retract my bitter swear. I apologize. Okay, I <laughs> okay. Yeah.
3: Please. Oh, good. Not. Okay.
1: <laughs> I swear.
2: We've sworn before.
1: But... Good. Well. Well.
2: Beep. Calm. Beep it, and it's beep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should
1: have asked. Um. But yeah. We're no. Just, call... We're just giving Kevin more work to do. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's funny it's because. Not busy. Weren't we just talking about educating the children? So who's supposed to be listening to this podcast?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, good point.
1: Um, But yeah, just like having, you know, more courses uh, in the curriculum, you know, up until high school, at least, yeah, you know, giving a better perspective on the environment as a whole, like the good and the bad and all the things that are happening with it. And then if you can somehow incorporate more kind of hands on or something like that, like showing something that. Kids can actually take home with them, or kind of like relate to easier, like you know how how to do your own little garden plots, like in your yard or something. Yeah, or like, like how it, to grow your own down. vegetables and fruits and stuff, like something so simple that, like, oh, like I mean, I that like,
0: anybody you know. could feel like they could be successful and 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 do something, right? Instead of saying, oh, well, we're out to save the whole world. Well, that's pretty daunting <laughs> for a little kid, you know. <laughs> so, but to be able to say, oh, can you make a puddle garden with me? Yeah, now that I can do.
1: Because like, it, it just seems like that a lot of, you know, people I talk to, like their kids, like, I feel like guarding is still like a very shared experience that still continues to happen a lot. So I don't know mm-hmm. why, like, you couldn't incorporate, like, put more emphasis on that, like, within school, like, as it's not just a, you know, you do it with your mom on the weekends, it's something exactly. that gets taught in school well, and you continue to think about it.
0: I mean, this is why I, uh, one of the reasons why I started the, uh, the summer workshops that I've done. Um, but that's, it's kind of like summer school. Um, I'm trying to work with teachers and schools to get this kind of stuff put in their regular during school curriculums as well. But it's, uh, a lot of it seems to boil down to time because they have a certain amount of content that they have to put into their curriculums. And the other part of it is budget. Um, because the government allots so much money for different things. And I mean, these poor schools are are struggling with all the budget cuts, and then you throw COVID in there right now and just on and on it goes. Uh, but this is something that's really important. Our kids' education is really important. So I think they need to, I don't know, shuffle the money from somewhere to somewhere else. I, I don't know what the answer is, but something's got to happen because our kids need a, I, I do believe our kids need a better education.
2: Yeah, I felt even gr- growing up, in Alberta I did I I literally just spending time around people in BC when they talk about the options for th- like subjects in schools I was like what you guys you guys could learn this why why couldn't we have any of these classes and it does come down to we just have really large class sizes and not enough money to really branch out and i mean it's, it's not to say BC's education system is it's far from perfect as well it's kind of a north Canadian problem in general seems to be that public schools are just not getting enough funds.
0: Yeah, but anyway, I guess that would be the uh, the schooling part of it. So, Dan, what was your next?
2: Yeah, like uh,
1: kind of jumping into something else. Like, you know, sometimes we hear a lot about, um, you know, green products or things that are You know sustainably sound i don't know i hate using the word sound Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but i just did anyway um (laughs) but you know things that are made sustainably and whatever you know in the packaging or just how it's sourced or whatnot but i'll ask ryan first and then i can kind of open up to everybody else like when you're like do you ever really consider that when you're going out grocery shopping you know you see a you know a label that says you know environmentally conscious or like this is a green product do do you consciously like try to pick out those products when you're shopping or is it kind of just like i don't really care or it's you don't know enough about it or like i'd say it's
2: a i'd say it's an i don't i don't know enough about it i kind of i have a fairly fundamental distrust that uh, anything a company says to me is actually going to be all that true in, in terms of uh, like uh, what was it? It was, uh, I think I even was taught this in school. It's the term organic doesn't actually mean all that much. It's in the same way when people say the thing they make is environmentally friendly. Yeah. If it's a big enough co- corporation, if it's not a company that is almost specifically uh, its entire infrastructure is designed to be eco-friendly usually it means they're kind of cutting out environmentally in some other way it's uh
1: yeah they're offsetting like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly on this side but on the other side it's like oh we're ramping up or we're <laughs> we're uh doing a lot more damage on this side or something like that yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so so when, terms, like, terms get oh,
0: overused sorry. right like terms get so overused now it's it's to the point where somebody says sustainable it doesn't even mean anything anymore because it's been so overused right
2: yeah, well, and I mean that's the thing. It's it's in part because there isn't actually a standard set for what these terms, pr- in practice, mean. It like yeah, sh- 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 sure. If there's literally like identical products of a similar price, maybe the one that claims to be eco-friendly is a bit more expensive. I'll I'll probably go for the eco-friendly one, but I don't have many illusions about the fact that that whether or not that's actually helping mm-hmm. or not.
1: Yeah, I'm cool. gonna buy this box of cookies because it says it's more environmentally sound or environmentally sustainable. But
2: still came like, on a truck, like it's... <laughs> it's
1: still got the cardboard. Still got it. Might have one ingredient that's different in source, but otherwise, yeah, there's still all these other things that like, can
2: factor like into it. Like eating a heart friendly menu item at KFC is it? Let's let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs>
0: Some things just don't go together. Uh, Well, and it's even like the term. So I realize there's organic certified food and you do have to go through a whole process to be certified and everything. But even that, me, me being a grower, I have a bit of problem with because it's still somewhat subjective. Like you have a certain panel of people that are inspecting your premises and doing all this thing to get you certified. You have to pay a whole bunch of money out to get your certification and keep it. And I sit there wondering, you know, can there not be a happy medium? And do you have to punch that stamp of certified on to, to mean that your food is good? Like, can you not naturally grow and use these other methods? But the, like uh, uh, Ryan was saying, the trick is to have a standardization. So how do you have a standardization that people can compare to People know what to expect and yet still be able to accomplish these other things by allowing, uh, whether it's the grower or the consumer, to have some freedom in their in their choices and to know that the term's not going to be bastardized and, and overused for something that it really doesn't represent anymore. Um, it's it's quite the dilemma, I think. But um, But yeah, I know for me, I still, not all the time, but I would say, you know, probably 80% of the time, if I can, I will look at ingredients where things have come from, if there is a better alternate choice in my mind, realizing it's just my opinion. But I mean, if I can get something local, that's just as good as something farther away, I will, if our local produce happens to be really crappy, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to start delving into stuff that's come in from farther away because I don't want rotten vegetables, <laughs> but
3: yeah. uh, you know what I mean
0: though, like I am trying, and also too, if I see something that I have an interest in and it says they're green or eco-friendly or local or any of these terms i have no problem looking them up because most these companies i mean everybody just about is online now so i look them up and you can usually find reviews you can usually find product information you can find history of companies and that's when you start to find out real things like so if you see a bunch of flaming reviews saying well these guys um you know, sure, they say that they're eco-friendly, but they use child slave labor and blah, blah, blah. Well, then, okay, <laughs> now i am just, <laughs> I got my answer, right? But um all I can say is buyer beware, research and look as best as you can, but also realize not everything on the internet is true. Go figure.
1: Yeah, and then, like, for me, I think the big thing is convenience and also, like, price, because uh, I, I find... Yeah, like I think Ryan mentioned it, that, you know, if it's, if, you know, you have two very similar products and, you know, the more environmentally conscious one is 10% more than the regular one, like I'll probably take the more greener one. But if, it you know, sometimes I see things where it's almost, you know, 30% or wide. more yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, I, I can't do this because <laughs> I, I don't want to, as much as I'd like to buy things that are more, you know, sustainable or more green, it's, it. I I still need to, (laughs) I'm still making money. I still need to save. I still need to
0: (laughs) pay off other things and bills.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, people just don't have that uh, income to be able to. But that also
0: seems to dictate something else. So it it almost seems like um, at least in the infancy stages of a green product or service, that it's only the wealthy that really can afford it. And it's not until much later, if ever, the volume, the prices, the sales can dictate, it can come down so that the bulk of the masses can have accessibility to that, which is kind of another problem, you know, mm-hmm. because there's always going to be fewer in that upper epsilon of the uh, of the the wealthy. And then the bulk of people are in the middle class, and then you've got, you know, a lower class. and. As, as much as you, whether you want to be communist or socialist or whatever, and have everybody be on the same page, there's always going to be the haves and the have nots. So how do you shrink that gap, I guess, so that the being more eco-friendly or green or whatever you want to call it is more accessible to more people.
2: Yeah, it's there needs to be like more demand for it to be more affordable, but for there to be more demand, it has to be more affordable. It's kind of a catch-22. I think they
0: go hand in hand. And that's why a big part of my thing is I believe uh, it's really important as you're growing a business like uh, that that emphasizes the the local, sustainable, eco-friendly, you know, whatever terms you want to use, that it also has to educate, educate the public, educate its potential clients. Because if you don't do that in conjunction with building your product or service, you're never going to break out of that little mold and you're not going to get into the masses.
2: There's uh, actually a business that I, I uh, get my groceries from. I believe it has a few small grocery stores open in British Columbia. And I'm I'm sure someone's at least tried an equivalent, something close to it in the Alberta area. I haven't lived there in a while. But it's called Long Table, and its entire business structure is that it essentially acts as a middleman directly between farmers in the local area and consumers. So it's a grocery store that mainly stocks – from just those people and it keeps its uh and it 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 manages to also keep its prices fairly low i think through maintaining good relationships with the local communities and farmers in fact it's uh the main way i eat right now because they deliver they're the only people who deliver food to wells yeah yeah uh and and it's even convenience
0: is a big seller right yeah of course and
3: It's also more
2: (laughs) it's yeah, it's also more eco friendly than uh, like I'd say probably like 20 or so people driving to town individually to pick something up. It's just one person coming out and dropping things off. So Mm -hmm. they uh, yeah, they're a interesting business model to look into. And I, I did look them up quite a bit and they seem uh I've, I haven't really seen accusations that they're uh, you know, secretly just buying things from Whole Foods or something.
0: Well we do have like uh the old box, like organic box and sprouts or something. Uh anyway, there's Used to have
1: organic, but
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um, Well, and there's uh, there's Amaranth foods, they're more of a grocer, but they try to deal direct as much as they can with farmers and the local and all that kind of stuff too. So there are a few, but um, again, it's like, it's like, we're just on the edge of something. We're on the cusp of something, but you just need that little extra push to get over the hump to really get things going. And again, I'm not sure other than, you know, encouraging farmers to, uh, to, to be innovative, um, marketing is big, education is big, and going after the government for whatever grants and support that you can get, you know, other than that, I'm I'm not sure maybe it's a combination of all those things.
1: I'll ask you this. Have you had any bad experiences or encounters as it pertains to kind of the realm of environmentalism?
2: as you as you put in the notes i believe it was it's okay if it's me it was you no 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 no.
3: i just Uh,
1: never came across as being like guy like because i know me me you and another friend of ours like yeah sometimes maybe i'll just start talking about plants and stuff and maybe you guys just think it's annoying so I no no no
2: you you are just, you are the plant guy in our friend me. group
1: <laughs> uh if no, that's a good thing or not <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey we pitched a, da- a plant a gardening based dating service i mean that's a great yeah we should still uh <laughs> new business uh no i'm trying to think and i i thought about that qu- i haven't really i mean it's you uh it was brought up quite a bit earlier there is obvious uh in the town i live in it's mining and art people and they very typically do not see eye to eye about the purpose of the town you can uh, just call I, them the
0: mart people
2: the, <laughs> <laughs> if we just called them the marts they would get along <laughs> uh so that yeah it is i I would never, I'd never classify it as a bad experience because there is a continuous ongoing conversation where I live about where industry begins and where, like, life, also, where life fits into that. There's a big fight in my town right now over the mine's plan to, um... This isn't going to work for anyone but Daniel. Danny, you know, driving into Wells, there's a beautiful lake as you're coming in. Yes. And so they want to put a giant um, like I can't remember, it's a concentrator plant or something like that in awesome. that exact <laughs> view
3: state.
2: <laughs> uh, that's like where the and like a uh, will add like I think it was like 20 trucks an hour or something like that going between those two places. But it will also bring four hundred people to the actual town I live in. Uh which is not doing well. Let me t- it is uh
0: Hence the name. Is- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no,
2: Ironically no. enough, Wells not doing so well. Um Yeah, so <laughs> there's there's a and people get pretty heated on both sides of of that issue it's um you will very often see the only thing facebook is really good for is seeing people get mad and that is basically what the town page turns into about once a week uh so yeah i've been in a conversation with someone that lasted three hours long that was basically them yelling about the mine the the whole time actually uh (laughs) have been on hikes (laughs) where that became the thing Did somebody not Uh, return? Oh, no. no. Uh, But then I also personally have... uh, The only time that one really bothered me is that uh, my partner at the time, she works at the mine and in fact is angling to get more work in the environmental side, the environmental science side of it, which is still need to make you talk to her, Daniel. She keeps asking about schools and stuff and I know nothing. (laughs) But... uh, but yeah, so uh, it, I mean, I, but here's the thing. I don't actually think in the cause of environmentalism or caring about your local community, I don't think three hours of a kind of awkward conversation is actually the worst thing. Like, that's kind of the bare minimum for activism, right? <laughs> yeah, honestly,
1: maybe I should have rephrased that. Yeah, maybe not a bad experience, but just like something that maybe like got you thinking or like pondering about kind of that realm maybe it would have been a better <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely not to say like no you can only hear about the good stuff about it like anything yeah that yeah know, goes against <laughs> it it's bad it's a bad <laughs> experience you should never have those kind of experiences it's like no you want to have those because you want to get those like varying opinions and perspectives because that kind of helps you yeah. to understand too of like where people are coming from and understanding no oh, it's not just you know we got to conserve this piece of land it's well we have to think about everybody that's been here and like kind of where everybody wants to go, what everybody's objectives and goals are and how can we all kind of work together for the betterment of what we want, but also kind of what everybody should have or want or need.
2: Yeah. Of course, growth is like very frequently uncomfortable, right? Like it's a, Like, I'm, I'm sure over, I can't remember because I, I have ruined my memory just by living through my 20s, uh, but I, I'm sure there's at least one or two times where I was doing some environmentally shitty thing and you, Daniel, were like, were like, hey, you know, that's actually really bad, that thing you're doing. And then, like, for a day, I was like, I can't believe he said that to me. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that probably is bad for the environment.
1: Honestly, it you was probably us living together, and I was just saying, you know, that is recyclable. Yeah,
2: yeah probably. <laughs> and then I and then I went to my room and threw things across my
3: feelings <laughs> and I uh,
1: in a in a snotty tone, and probably wasn't even I, thinking about. Like, well, I can go into the cardboard recycling,
2: right? <laughs> and then I I cried for six hours straight. Uh, yeah, he so, didn't, didn't mention it in body parts that, that, that he was
0: saying you. Recycle. That's the thing, right? Sorry, what was that? Dan didn't mention the thing he was talking about. Recycling was body parts, right? So that might have-
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you like, know, right? was the body? Then- that arm is compostable. Is this is this the thing? Are we talking about Daniel's serial killer predilections? Okay,
1: guys, uh, I feel like you should stop talking about this.
2: Because I was um, living with Daniel, and he would be in the basement for long periods of time. And, like, there were guests who came who I never saw leave.
3: Okay, I'm just... Also, um, bye. I'm pre-
2: pretty sure once he ate my thumb, he, he always said I didn't have... He said I never had that thumb. But it why is green, there the scar, Daniel? Why is th- the
0: scar, <laughs> It was a green thumb. Why would you eat it?
2: <laughs> How did you guess the name of our dating app? <laughs> <laughs> green thumb dating. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah, we'll kind of slowly wrap things up. Uh, I'll ask you, Ryan. Uh, what do you think, uh, you know, when you hear the term regenerative landscaping, like, what's kind of the first thing that comes to mind? Or like, do you know what regenerative landscaping is?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with first thing that comes to mind. So regenerative, that's. Uh, literally the visual thing that I imagine is like a bare field where grass starts like coming up in montage and then flowers bloom and then trees grow and then there's rabbits hopping around. Um <laughs> That's that's the image. If there was ever an advertisement for it, that would be the <laughs> Like
3: the sound
2: of music? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like the sound of music, but it's like a depressing grey, like rotted feel at first, and then things start blooming, and then she starts singing <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so that's that's the image i am I'm assuming it's 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 you said regenerative landscaping yes that's the
3: yeah or, like or yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah so it's i i'm assuming uh making the uh, someone's surrounding environment more pleasing to exist in for a person while also likely conserving the environmentally friendly aspects of it or even repairing damaged ones
0: nice
1: yeah like i mean essentially yeah like uh the idea is you're trying to yeah restore like whatever area that you're doing your regenerative landscaping on uh you're trying to restore that area and encourage um sustainability and like all these different factors within like what normally would be kind of like out in the wild like in an ecosystem and kind of applying all that into, you know, say like a front yard, like in an urban center or something. So, you know, you want to increase, well, I mean, it depends what, you know, people are looking for, but something like you want to increase biodiversity, uh, you know, get more pollinators, more, you know, birds uh, in your yard. And that's kind of the idea is trying to create that landscape to encourage that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it pretty well. I mean, yeah, yeah, for don't give, if you want to add a mind mind little mind bit
0: more. In the biz. Oh, I was going to say that, um, I guess it's the regenerative state is just one up from the sustainability because now the land is uh, hopefully, if you get to that point, now the land can rejuvenate itself and can cycle on its own and doesn't need any further intervention. Ah. And it's based on so many different facets, like what Dan was saying. It's not just one thing that brings it to that, there's all these little pieces that are interlinked. So, everything from the soil, the plants, the wildlife, the, you know, everything. And um, each ecosystem is different, but in the grand scheme of things, it's now that they're able to operate and thrive and repopulate on their own without any extra assistance, I guess. So that's my take okay, on it. I see.
2: Yeah. One step step above sustain it. Yeah. Something that can just sustain itself. That's, that's, in, that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, like we're kind of thinking, I mean, cause like me and Kevin we're like uh, the business that we're starting, like that's kind of our focus is being the people that actually like build these uh, yards or like these ecosystems for you cause with having that knowledge and the knowledge and expertise working with the uh, other companies being able to apply that to, you know, somebody's yard or somebody's acreage or, know whatever piece of land that they have and being able to promote those ideas and hopefully you know that kind of gets them thinking about ways that they themselves can start and i mean that's this is it's kind of a good start to hire us out to do those kind of things so, yeah and then having don supply all the plants for us eat some plants to nice. get things going with,
0: <laughs> it's weird but i grow with, yeah I don't know. um but yeah, you're no. not
2: shaping them from clay and breathing life into them <laughs> if it were no, only the that <laughs>
0: But this is also why even in our our little group, like we're trying to branch out and connect with other individuals and groups and businesses as well, because it's the whole group that will take care of the regenerative landscape. It's not like you just go and it's done. It's an evolving process. It takes time. It's um, even if you think you've thought of every possible aspect of it and you've planned it out and that's what you're implementing. Five years later, you might go, oh, now I need to do this, too, to just you're like you're always striving to get closer to that regenerative state. But really, it's it's only Mother Nature that ever gets there.
2: Yeah, it's an iterative process and also really commute like it needs it takes an entire community uh, sharing responsibility to achieve that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It takes a village to raise a regenerative child.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just picks, pitched my next science fiction book. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's funny that you mention that because I don't know if you're a Trekkie at all or not. Because a tad, are- anyway, tad uh, Trekkie. So, are you familiar with the Borg at all? Yes, that's the that's the Borg. So i keep, I keep thinking of instead of assimilate it's regenerate, regenerate. regenerate. <laughs> And-
2: <laughs> captain picard shows up with a half like garden face going <laughs> <laughs>
0: through everything you know and then i keep thinking of uh like seven or something running around saying you will be assimilated and then everybody has to take all these native plants and stuff and put the,
3: Plant. the plants so
0: the plants will take over and fix this, <laughs> <don't> we fix everything
2: <laughs> we really need to get to the point where ai is like guilting us about the environment that that will finally do it if like we make sentient machines and they're like you are messing this up
0: <laughs> well you'll have to actually listen to some of our um our green scene where we delve into some uh news- clips and stuff, because there's actually a lot of tech and new AI and all this kind of stuff that is getting integrated into the, um, the plant industry and the regenerative and the sustainability, the green, the eco, like all that stuff. Um, like every week we come up with some really interesting things we come across. And what was that last one Dan was talking about? Oh, the thing that you clip on the plants and it can tell you what, Uh, when they need watering what nutrients they need all that kind of stuff was pretty cool whoa
2: oh man that i i kill plants constantly by just existing like i need that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i my building just the building i live in just can't sustain life if i'm also in it
0: (laughs) We'll so have to. Send I am him a
2: to... toxic material.
0: We'll have to send him to a regenerative boot camp or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say you you had something on here. Um, did Ryan have any questions for us about what we're doing or anything else? I guess.
2: Ooh, uh, good, Keep good question. Keep D- it clean. <laughs> hey, you wanna, uh...
1: how's your sex life?
2: You know, hey daniel how's your sex life um yeah dan what what's the uh because you're what's the timetable for uh, your business is it open like you're you're not already taking like contracts or anything right you're uh, you're still
3: oh,
1: almost oh, oh, definitely uh yeah if you know anybody that's welcome <laughs> I don't know if we travel all the way to BC where you are,
2: but... No, no, uh, no, no, no. You uh, I will pay deck. you to come to
0: BC. Exactly you say. <laughs> we will do anything for the right price.
2: I will give you my entire EI check, which is... Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Well, I mean, we know all the same people, but I can keep my... I can keep my ears peeled.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, because like, um, yeah, I think officially we're up and running, I think need to get insurance and stuff. (laughs) Don't (laughs) need to get into details. Essentially, yeah, um, we're looking for more contract work. Uh, Anybody that's looking to do this kind of stuff for the yards, whether it's big or small, like we're we're willing, we're able to. And yeah, I mean we'll, you know, start getting stuff. Like I mean, yeah, ideally we'd like to get stuff in as early as possible so we can plan for the summer because we only have so many months that we can actually
0: do yes. work outside
1: even though other companies I've worked for say eh, you know if it's minus 20 or you know conditions aren't super great nah, still do it anyway but
0: some of so- you
2: might make it back
0: you, you were talking about the bad experiences with the environment that's what I was going to say is do you remember having to i don't know plant somebody's yard in a blizzard by any chance
1: <laughs> i <laughs> that- don't know what you mean It's almost like I said many times that this makes no sense, but (laughs) we still did it anyway. And it's almost like (laughs) it costs more to do that project than it was worth.
0: Yes, because even with needles, because they were freshly planted, (laughs) they had to be redone the next season because uh, everything, well, I mean, short of a few miraculous things, everything died over the course of the winter because it was just oh it was just gross it was pummeled in mud and snow and uh it's just that's not how we do stuff
1: (laughs) (laughs) but i'll still take that project over the other one of basically trying to dig into uh cement concrete
0: yeah yeah Yeah. that was that was my that was on my list too it's funny you mentioned that those were the top two i was like So remember, oh, and not to mention the fact that um, Dan and I pretty much started that project by ourselves. So two people (gasps) to do a lake project in concrete, which was really hard pan clay that had been compacted by heavy machinery. It was great.
1: And yeah, Um, more context. Yeah. Trying to plant a a few thousand shrub tree potted things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into this type of environment.
3: Get that <laughs> rock up that done. hill, Sisyphus. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs>
1: and having a very fast deadline approaching. <laughs>
0: okay.
3: no, we were, just lucky that, we
0: we're just lucky that the other company uh, that was on the contract was so nice and they helped us oh, all yeah. well. but, man, a lot. That is a blessing. That was not I mean they they had over planted, like basically sent way more plants than what was really needed for the area. So we're trying. We after we planted, we had to go in squeeze more plants in between. We're digging through this hardpan clay. Oh, remember we brought um, uh, was it Steve? No. Steve? Um, no, no.
3: Uh, no. <laughs> I've <I'm> getting flashbacks.
0: We <laughs> yeah. went for therapy to get rid of this, you know. Um, I... <laughs> no, we, we brought that that auger out and couldn't even get through the clay with that, which ironically we're using it for our post holes for the horse fencing here works just fine go figure
1: <laughs> we tried two different augers and they both didn't work so you know you what you're trying to plant in is not doing great when you try two different augers one being a handheld one and one being one that you tow off a truck that supposedly is more powerful and that still doesn't do the trick uh, <laughs> you know you're <laughs> and again oh this God. is with two people
3: that um, explains
2: that explains when we were living together and in the dead of night, I'd hear coming from your room, the auger. Oh God. No, not the se- second augur. Oh no.
3: <laughs> that explains is, those night is, terrors.
0: This is a, a, a good plug for you guys. Cause this is why people need to plan their projects. And if you think it's a little bit too much for you, there's companies like fescue, uh, naturalization to help you guys, and you don't have to do all that backbreaking labor. Or and actually, you shouldn't be anyway, because hopefully you guys have taken care of your yards and stuff to the point where they're at least not concrete.
3: <laughs> but, you really had
2: to that mess that. up <laughs> like that. Um, then I they're gonna charge <laughs> a million
3: dollar, million dollar. No, um,
2: anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you have time, I have one more question uh pr- preferably at least one answer from each of you is uh as i have successfully proved i know basically nothing uh and what advice would each one like what's the number one thing piece of advice you would give to let's say a well-meaning idiot uh just regarding the environment there's the first thing that floats to your mind that you're just like they should know this
0: oh man my list is already like really long <laughs>
2: <laughs> second podcast <laughs> start i mean with yeah kevin.
0: Go ahead, start with kevin. i was gonna say start oh, with kevin again keep quiet and then that gives us time <laughs> to you, no 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 you go you go i need to think about that oh, i need to think because i, I <laughs> i'll, I'll my go time.
1: then <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yeah i i'd say i kind of have two things one would be uh looking at like in the what do you think? Of, I mean, based off of our conversations we had today and just, you know, kind of your, all your experiences, like kind of just thinking to yourself, look at or find something. I mean, for me, I would say find a like a plant that you like or like a, even just like a fruit or a veggie plant that you like and just like do research on it. Just like find something that interests you in that realm of. And I and I always go to plants because I think they're just kind of the easiest thing to Latch because you know it's something like well, you can most of the time eat it or at least like you know it might be fragrant or it might be it has some sort of you know tangible thing versus like looking into different kinds of soils. I know a lot of people get turned off when it's like well, most people just think of it as just dirt, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, like,
1: there's nothing exciting about that, like I get it's <laughs> it was just dirt, uh but plants there's a there's a little more that I think you can latch onto for kind of you know your average show or whatever, but yeah, I think finding a particular plant that you always liked or or even just, you know, finding a new thing, a new plant, you know, that looks cool or sounds cool for, does this certain thing, uh, I think would kind of be a good start just to kind of get you looking at um, kind of something in that realm. And then it potentially, if you could even figure out, well, can I even grow this thing here? Maybe, maybe I'll try it out this spring or summer, like try to grow, you know, this particular plant. And yeah, if you can find something that's even like, native and look at and start research researching like oh it has like all these medicinal properties or something like that that'd be kind of cool to grow because i could grow it and then you know if the leaves are beneficial for treating arthritis or something like that and again with medis- i mean don can attest to talk about medicinal properties for plants that it's not it's not going to always be the cure-all for you know what books might say like it, <laughs> you usually have to have a lot of it to you know get
2: the benefits for it like, you mean <laughs> if I eat one leaf, I'll still be sad? <laughs> yes, unfortunate. Damn it. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: unless, but... unless, it's, unless it's hemlock, and then you. <laughs> <to> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Finally, I can be like my hero, Socrates. <laughs> Socrates, Socrates.
3: <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, like just. Something as simple as that, just, you know, doing some research on a plant that you already like or just trying to find a new one that kind of sparks an interest in looking more into it and then potentially if you can, you know, grow it. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of a good start. And then the other aspect or like another thing I would say, talking with me, Ryan, or or just for anybody, like find somebody, you know, on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, like somebody that's in this realm of... (laughs) You know, environmentalism, environmental scientists, like, just find somebody and, you know, just, you know, ask them questions and kind of spark that interest of
3: whatever, the, whatever be a it is to, yeah,
2: like, something <laughs> to look into. You know, under, just... under the tutelage. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I was actually going to, I had a whole bunch of things, but luckily, I calmed myself, I waited, and with <laughs> uh, Dan speaking first, it helped shape my response a little more. So I'm actually going to lump it together and say, yes, I agree with the research. And I would say research before taking any action relating to your native scape or your regenerative landscape or growing or any of that kind of thing. So that might per- pertain to invasives. Uh, make sure you research and find out what things are invasive, what things are not. Research, find out, what things are rare or, in, or endangered that you should not be picking or collecting seed from in the wild or which parks, um, all of Alberta's provincial parks, as well as anything deemed parkland in Edmonton. So that's all along the river Valley. It's not legal to harvest any plant material from those places. And a lot of people don't seem to know that, but there's a, a just reason for that. And that's because if one person does it, Okay, so maybe a few plants or a few seeds go missing. But if everybody starts thinking they're entitled, even if they're harvesting the 10% or the one-third, suddenly everything disappears. Uh, You want to be well aware of that before going into stuff. Research and don't take on more than you can handle for a project. Don't go and clear out the back 40 so it's all just bare ground and then say... Yeah, now let's plant. And then by the time you actually get it all done, the weeds have come in and the soil's eroded and whatever else. So take baby steps. But yes, each step that you want to undertake, make sure you research, whether you're looking up from valid sources on the net, whether you're talking to people that you know, whether you're coming professionals like myself, Dan, Kevin, whoever. But definitely it's worth its weight in gold to do the research first so that it saves you time effort heartache oh i don't know possibly tickets or jail time even you don't know
3: mm.
2: <laughs> working in a provincial par- park i share the frustration of people gathering plants that they are not supposed to touch even flowers from the front of historic buildings we're an intelligent species
0: we try
3: <laughs>
0: but yeah um I don't know. Oh, yeah, Kevin. So you've, okay, been, well, yeah. you've been quiet now. Yeah. You got big. Here you go. Now it's my
4: turn. it's my turn. I've wait. been waiting. I've been waiting <laughs> for the entire hour and 14 minutes and 16 seconds. Okay. <laughs> it's my turn to rant. Okay. So I have um two part answer for your question. So the first part, so for those people who's extremely close minded, who is totally against sustainability, all those people who, who, who says, who, who say that, oh, I only want long, I don't want anything else because it's very difficult to take care of. Uh, I want to tell those people, go f**k yourself. <laughs> okay. I'll supply those people with um, Western water hemlock, and they, drink, they can just eat them.
0: Don't listen, little Johnny. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh,
4: the second part of the answer. So I think we only have one planet, so everyone should just do something, do our part, whether it's big or small, to save the planet. And we can just start with something like growing uh, plants that can grow fruit, which is uh, easy to maintain and doesn't cost that that much money, like strawberries, blueberries, raspberries. Yeah, everyone likes them. And they're (laughs) extremely easy to grow. And I mean, that's a good start for you to just start doing something that's regenerative and not just the lawn, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my advice.
0: Yeah, right. and that's the thing. It's like we we're talking about in the schools. If if everything's brought down to a level where people figure they can achieve it, they can do something, then it's much more likely to be successful on a bigger level versus saying, oh, yeah, we're going to do this gigantic gigantic project that's going to, you know, save the whole world. It's easier to do just little pieces at your local level and on your level. Definitely. Awesome. Okay
2: thank you so i'm i'm going to start growing some hemlock like right now <laughs> <laughs>